You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Go Gohey gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live. I hope everybody enjoyed the day off because we are going to enjoy basically the last part of your Oakland A's season. This is it. I mean, this has been a wild year. I mean, it's been a wild couple years. But really for this year, you got three left with Seattle, three left with New York, Then you go on the road for three against the Angels, three against the Mariners. Then you come back home and you finish the season with the Angels once again. And you just think about what this year has been like. I know for us, been very emotional. If you think of how this this year started, it was in a lockout. We didn't have baseball. We didn't know when baseball was going to start. We were all waiting, and there were meetings, and there were talks, and there was more meetings. There's more talks. Now they're coming together. Well, they're this far away. They're far away on this issue, that issue, all the different issues. Everybody's far apart. And then all of a sudden, like anything else in negotiations, it gets to be crunch time, and all of a sudden, both sides are going to start losing big money. It's business. I didn't stress over it. I knew what was going to happen, and we got to go through this every five or so years. Don't worry. All businesses do it. Every business is always having issues. That's just how it works. And when you have a deal that's between the owners and the players and you have a collective bargaining agreement, it means two sides have to get together and agree on a deal on how to govern the entire business complicated stuff so they got it done we were all excited I'll never forget I was uh I was like on the 13th hole a court of all and the commander called me and said it's over and by the way you need to get to my house because at that point I tore down my I had torn down my studio because I thought ah I got time this season's not going to start. Don't worry about it. Told my contractor, tear it down. I'm building a new studio. I got to go to to Cody's apartment. So I had to rush off the golf course. I know, tough life. And then I'm going to Cody's. 
And I'm like, oh, my God, my studio's not – like, it was crazy. We get down to spring training. Everybody's getting traded. I mean, it's been a wild year. And these are the last few games. And they're the last few games where you want to enjoy your team because after this, it heads to winter time. I love this time of the year. I love when the weather changes. I guess we are going to have some heat this weekend. But I, I love the fall. Fall means it's the end of baseball. It's the fall classic. It's our World Series. It's our playoffs. Football started. It's football weather. This is my favorite time of the year. I don't know how people don't agree with me. Some people say spring and March Madness and that. I like college basketball during that tournament. It's all because we're betting on it and we're filling out brackets and you know there's people who like the nba playoffs and the nhl playoffs great for me give me baseball playoffs give me nfl football give me college football this is my time of the year nothing better i mean everywhere you look last night we had two games on we had two nfl games on turn the games off and then i'm watching giants and uh, rockies I'm here in San Francisco right now. I'm watching BP. I'm watching the Rockies take uh, BP. There's always something to watch as a sports fan at this time of the year. They're always going to be airing baseball, and they're always going to be airing football. It's the best time of the year. Bip Roberts is going to join us. Of course, Bip, part of the NBC family, former A, former All-Star. He's going to be here at 430. And then Dave Sims, longtime great broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners, is going to be here around 5 o'clock. They're coming on something really big. Uh, This is big for them. Their drought is historic, and it's rough. I mean, the last time the Seattle Mariners were in the postseason, I was getting married. That's how long ago it was. Like, if if I literally could ask everybody listening today, where were you in 2001? What was going on in your life the last time the Seattle Mariners were in the postseason? It's crazy. I mean, I can ask the karate kid, Ray. Well, you you had to be just a little kid the last time the Seattle. You probably don't even remember it the last time the Seattle Mariners had Ichiro. And they were the darlings of baseball and they're winning 116 games and everybody thought they were going to breeze through a world series title. Finally, they were going to get that world series title. Where were you Ray in 2001? I want to say 2001. I was in third grade at a Macy Gable elementary school in red lion, Pennsylvania. That's where I was in 2001. Not, not a care in my little head about the huge successes of the Mariners having during that time. And, you said it best, Tony, a historic drought that more than likely will be coming to an end. Not 100% yet, but boy, is it looking like it. It's just it's just a reality, and it's going to be big for them. I mean, they've had great teams. They've had great players. They've had some of the greatest players. When you think of the guys that have gone through there, as I just mentioned, Ichiro, you start talking about Griffey, the big unit. A-Rod, I mean, they've had some uh, King Felix who we saw for so many years and tormented the A's. So it's going to be a big deal for them. You know, the Seahawks, 
I mean, they lost the Supersonics to Oklahoma City. The Seahawks and Pete Carroll got them to the top of the mountain where they played in two Super Bowls, 1-1. So football, obviously, is huge up in Seattle. But the Mariners, they built Safeco Park, one of the best parks that's in our game. They've had the players. They had that historic run in the mid-'90s that helped get Safeco Field, now T-Mobile. But the Mariners back in the playoffs. You know, last year they came up short. But now Scott Service and and the Mariners, I mean, they're in. And I know we're dealing magic numbers and if there's a horrific, um, horrific collapse. And I I, got to tell you, it's kind of funny. I met, I'm, I'm doing NBC today, tomorrow, and and also on Thursday. And talking about, oh, the A's could play spoilers. That I had a meeting earlier today, and I'm like, Ray, I said, spoiling what? Well, what is spoiling? Oh, that's right, seedings. That's where we're at. We're at the spoiling of seedings. And, you know, obviously a big deal because you want to host the wild card round. You don't want to go on the road. You want those three games to be on the road. You want it to be at home. That's ideal. Home field advantage zone baseball has been proven now over time not as big as people try and make it out to be. But, yeah, I, I guess we could look at it that for the Oakland Athletics. I, I You know, for, for the A's fan, though, I know for me as an A's fan, what am I looking at? I'm looking at one dude. I'm looking at two guys. We've, we've been on the Dermis Garcia train, no question about it. Now it's a Jordan Diaz train. Heck, I'm now on Fran Reardon, the Las Vegas Aviators train. If you haven't heard, Sodi got called up, Gelliff got called up, McCann and Criswell. I remember interviewing Jeff Criswell when he got drafted by the A's out of the University of Michigan. He was at his draft party, and we had him on video. And it was pretty cool because, let's face it, you just got drafted, you're in college, you know they're throwing back beers. I mean, they're they're partying. His coach was there. I can't remember his name, but the head coach at Michigan. So we had both of them on. We had them on video, and, of course, you can hear it if you uh, weren't. So then we weren't. This show wasn't on video. Correct. Yes, the show wasn't on video. So only Cody and I could see them. So, yeah, they're drinking beer during the interview. It's like, yeah, you just got drafted. Live it up, buddy. I mean, come on. Your dream has just happened. But now, of course, if it was – the way we have it now on YouTube and also on Twitter, you would have saw them drinking beer. But, yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, there's only – how many games are left in AAA? I don't even know. Look that up. Is Midland done, by the way? Yes, Midland is done. So, Midland, that's the reason why they're calling up for Soderstrom to get his 100 RBIs. Got to get him up to AAA. Look up, Ray, how many games are left in AAA. Now, I normally don't watch the AAA games, but, yeah, I mean, this is – this. I mean, as an A's fan, you know, you're starting to see, okay, how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of having the worst average in Major League Baseball? How do we get out of having the worst OPS in Major League Baseball? How do we get out of losing? Because it's only been one year. You know, this is what we always say about the street cred with the front office. I mean, that's the one thing that uh, you can always say with this front office is that they don't go through these long losing periods. It's not like you're, you're never going to hear 
David Forrest say, here's my five-year plan. Here's my, you know, because that's what they everybody tries to sell you on. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep their job for five years. They want to keep that paycheck for five years, and they don't want to be run out of town. Not the case today that we will we will get into this a little bit later. I don't know how much. Most of you hopefully have a, a, a much better life than I do. I was just watching MLB Network today and caught the press conference where this is, by the way, a huge – it, it, you know what? To to a, a a base to a person that follows the game, this would not be a head scratcher. But for somebody outside of baseball, and you just look from from business pers- business purposes, uh, you would say, yeah, this is a head scratcher. Watching the Giants GM Scott Harris get hired to run baseball operations for the Detroit Tigers. I didn't get to hear, because they cut it off at one point. Now, he was with Chicago. Then he comes to San Francisco. I didn't get to hear the So the MLB Network did not show the entire press conference. And they did, okay, what he, you know, he's, he's the wonder kid. He's super smart. Data everything that he can do, building an organization. He's seen it, whether it's been in Chicago or he's seen it in San Francisco, yada, yada, yada. I mean, they say the same thing about all these guys. And they're all coming off the same tree of what the modern executive is now from the Moneyball days to where we are today. But I didn't hear anybody, anybody like go, by the way, um, Aren't the Giants having, like, the most historic drop-off in the history of the game? Aren't you the GM of a team that's having the worst fall in the history of the game from 107 wins to this? Why are you such a genius? No one asked that question. I mean, it'd be one thing if, like, the Giants were following up 107 wins with another 100 wins, winning the division, battling the Dodgers down the stretch. Now he's leaving to go fix Detroit. I mean, wouldn't you think that that would be, like, the natural thing? Wouldn't you think that would be the deal? I mean, it's crazy to me. Like, no one asked that question. No one went, wait a minute, if you're so smart, why why are you guys having – we're hiring a guy that's the GM right now of a team that's in a full-on collapse. And we're talking about, oh, yeah, the Chicago team you was a part of? Yeah, after they won? what? Ray, um, what happened to Chicago after they won their one World Series? Uh, I think you said it earlier. They collapsed. They collapsed. And he wasn't the guy calling the shots for that. I mean, he was in the front office, but he wasn't calling the main shots. If anything, he was probably working on the minor league system, which, by the way, ended up failing Chicago. And now that let, let's let's look where this guy came from, and let's look at the standings. By the way, talk for a second, Ray. I got to close this door. No, not a problem. So yeah, we we talked about Scott Harris coming on with the Tigers. We'll have a clip that we'll play for you later on, and one of his pillars that he's going to focus on with this team. Full disclosure, Townie actually sent it to me via text message earlier today on his emphasis on the strike zone in his new tenure. 
with the Tigers, which I agree, Tony, was an interesting take in what he believes is the effect of the strike zone or the, the disproportionate effect, I think he called it, during his press conference. Okay. Uh, do, you want to, do, you, do you want the standings? Hit me with them. That strike zone in San Francisco is 70 and 77. 33 games out of first place. Is it me or is that crazy? That is crazy. It's it's crazier that it's not enough. It's not being talked about. We, you say it all the time that this drop-off is just historic levels and it's kind of pushed to the side with what else is going on. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It, it's It's like... So you're telling me you just hired a guy. By the way, the Chicago Cubs, that system that would have been while you're winning the World Series, you can say, oh, you're depleting the system. I don't know. What year did he leave Chicago? But that thing that they built full-on collapsed, and I guarantee you he's too young. He wasn't there when they started collecting all the players that won the World Series. Yeah, he left in 2019, promoted to assistant GM in 2018. When did he get to the Cubs? He was first at the Cubs in 2012. He was part of their baseball ops team. Okay, so he's about, so he's not calling the shots. So the guys that won the World Series, he was not calling the shots for these guys. Well, what, 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 when did he get, did he ever, he got to GM with the Cubs, right? He was assistant GM in 2018 before leaving in 2019. Then of course. So he was just assistant GM. Yes. Before going to the Giants in 20. So he was assistant GM in 2018, which essentially means the guys that are collapsing now, he was a part of drafting these guys or part of this whole system that he's going to build in Detroit. That was part of his job in Chicago, which now finds the Chicago Cubs 62 and 85. Is that correct? That timeline fits. So if he's a assistant GM in 18, so he's been a part of 19, 20, 21. He's just a few years removed from being in Chicago. So he would have been a part of the drafts, international signings that has helped lead the Chicago Cubs to a 62 and 85 record. How many years have they won in San Francisco out of the, the three years? he's He's been here, what, three years? 2020 until 2022, yep. Well, for, his first year was what? His first year was 19, right? No, his first year was 2020. That's when he got brought on as the 2020? GM. Yeah. All right, so 2020, 21, and, and 22. What, how many years did they win the last three years? That'd be just that 107 season. So let me get this straight. We just had a press conference, and I'm not trying to say, like, I'm the smartest guy in the world because if I was the smartest guy in the world, I'd be a billionaire. But then again, I wasn't born into money like the Illich family, and my dad wasn't the Domino's Pizza guy. If my dad was the Domino's Pizza guy, maybe I would be running the franchise. But my guy, my dad wasn't the Domino's Pizza guy. I didn't grow up in money. I grew up with no money, and I had a Volkswagen Bug growing up which I'm very thankful for because some people don't have cars growing up. I had a Volkswagen Bug. I don't think Chris Illich, who runs the Detroit Tigers, had a Volkswagen Bug when he was growing up, wherever they grew up, which I guarantee probably wasn't in Detroit. It was outside Detroit. Pizza's a big business. 
Pizza's a very lucrative deal. I know it. Pizza's big business. But they hired this guy today and made him out to be the super genius builder. And you're telling me, assistant GM, I didn't even go through it. See, that's, I didn't even go through his resume. I wasn't sitting here like I'm going to be a troll and just go through his resume. He literally was assistant GM as of 2018. So his fingerprints would still be on that team and that minor league system that now has a record of 62 and 85, and they've been terrible. He's been in San Francisco where they've had one year. The other two years, not so much. You're talking about a historic drop-off from last year to this year. Does nobody at, like, the Detroit Free Press or the guy who covers him for the athletic, does no one know this? Am I the only person that knows this, that talks about this on a routine basis? Is no one talking about we're about to see the worst year-to-year in the history of over 150 years in our sport? And nobody's talking about that? I mean, if this was the NFL, everybody would be talking about it. You'd be seeing it on NFL Network. You'd be seeing it on ESPN. Baseball? Nope. You get a guy promoted. You just hired a guy that's been a GM and has lost two out of three years. I don't know. Do you blame Farhan, who's the president? Do you blame the GM? I don't know. You got to blame somebody. It's business. You fail. You made the decision. Somebody, somebody's got to take the blame. So that's, I mean, if you just went to somebody outside of baseball and said, yeah, you just hired a guy from a losing team. Can you imagine how people would feel about that? You're taking a guy who's lost two out of three years, and now you're entrusting your entire baseball organization. This is the main job. Not saying that the actual president of the organization and all the VPs and all these people aren't important. But the guy who's running the baseball side of it is really important because we're in the business of baseball. And... This guy's track record is not a track. I mean, I guess. What, what what was his job in 16 when they won the World Series? I believe it was director of baseball ops as he started in 12. So either assistant director or something of that nature. So he wasn't even assistant GM when they won a World Series. Correct. But they're selling that, boy. I, you know, he was part of the Cubs when they won the World Series. That is hilarious. Am I crazy? I was like watching that, Ray. I'm like sitting on the couch with my dog. I'm petting my dog and I'm going, I get it. Like everybody, you know, it's a cookie cutter. It's like the Bill Walsh coaching tree. Bill Walsh was so successful. So everybody wanted somebody that had some connection to Bill Walsh. We've seen it with Bill Belichick, but unfortunately all the Bill Belichick disciples have failed. But the Bill Walsh guys, Everybody wanted somebody from the Bill Walsh coaching tree. I don't know what you call this tree. Now, technically, because he was under Farhan, Farhan falls off the Billy Bean tree. And the Billy Bean tree hasn't been the most successful. However you want to slice it, it, it's amazing that 
oh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hire a guy that knows how to build, and he's gonna build it through technology. He's gonna build it through rebuilding. It's gonna modernize. You know, you heard all the buzzwords: modernize, technology. You heard all that that you hear every single time they hire one of these guys. And some are gonna work, and a lot are gonna fail. Now, this guy's blown out in three years in Detroit. Will not be shocked. We could go back to this press conference and say, hey, remember how smart this guy was coming out of San Francisco? And, oh, by the way, he had one winning season in three years. Don't be shocked he's fired in three years. I don't even think Mike Elias, now that the Orioles have, let's just say, fallen off quite a bit, I'm not going to be shocked if the Orioles, if they don't go out and have a good year next year, and you can look, I mean, you got, you know, Rushman has obviously, he's about to chase down Cal Ripken for rookie doubles, I believe. I was reading that earlier today. Um, yeah, he is one. No, that was I'm Scratch that. Omaha. But he's having a great year, hitting 315. Um, last 15 games, OPS, almost 1,000. I mean, Adley Rushman probably going to uh, do rookie of the year. And then you got Gunnar Henderson, who we got to see. This kid has started his 18, 18 games in the big leagues. He's on fire. Uh, but if they don't go out and win – and they got rid of their closer. They got rid of a franchise guy. If they got, they don't go out and win next year, can you imagine the disappointment as you got people to start buying in in Charm City, right? People are starting to buy in. People are excited. Man, the Orioles are back. People are starting going to the ballpark after all these horrific years where you tore it down to the studs. And now we had a chance and you traded guys. All right, we're going to give you – I mean, I don't know how much slack. Because you can say, hey, they're winning again. They go out and put up a bad season and didn't go for it, which I said, hey, you don't have to go for it. Just stay pat. If they start out next year and they start out bad, I don't know how long that guy will last. I just, I just, I don't even know why I got off on this. I, cause you know why? It's cause I'm, I, I have this screen with giant stuff in front of me. It made me just think, was I, was I really watching what I was watching today? That was insane. Um, sad news today in the world of baseball. An absolute baseball great, Maury Wills, Dodger great, MVP in 1962, three-time World Series champion, stole 104 bases when he was the MVP, uh, seven-time All-Star, great Dodger, great player, passed away today at the age of 89. You know, when you look at the, you know, because we always see Ricky Henderson. Well, there was guys before Ricky Henderson. And Maury Wills, you could say, was really the first great base dealer in the history of the game. Now, I I wasn't, a, you know, I that was before my time, but I know enough about Maury Wills to know back in those days, that's when, you know, you scored one or two runs a game. You weren't going to get, like, you know, the opposition could pitch, you could pitch, and you need to get Sandy Koufax one or two runs. Well, a lot of times I was coming off Maury Wills stealing some bases. That was a lot of bases then. It'd be a lot of bases now. Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman and Tim Raines 
took it to a whole new level, but that was just in a certain part of our game. That was just a certain time, which has now gone away that baseball is going to do everything it can to get back. I'll tell you what. Maury Wills was one of the guys that made stolen bases mean something. Because you know he you know who he beat that year in 1962? Ray, I'll give you a guess. You know who he beat for the MVP that year in 1962? Oh Lord. Uh, uh I have no clue in sixty-two. Willie Mays. That's how important his runs were and his stolen bases were that they viewed it at that time, which now you think is crazy. Willie May. Let me look. I'm going to just give you Willie May. Let me look up Willie Mays before we get to Pip Roberts. Willie Mays in 1962 was the runner up MVP. 1962, Willie Mays. I guarantee you had some gaudy numbers. He was 31 years old. He had 49 home runs. Had 141 RBIs, had a 999 OPS, and lost the MVP <laughs> to Maury Wills. Maury Wills played shortstop, stole bases, scored runs, and the Dodger machine. Willie Mays, according to stories I heard today, is still pissed that he lost that MVP to Maury Wills. But a guy that will respect that and respect so much more. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's going to join us next. The Bip Robert, uh, not the Bip Roberts, the Bip Roberts, the former All-Star, will join us right here. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. On A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Bip Roberts, former All-Star. Do we have the Bipster? We do. Bringing him up right now. Bip, how are you, my friend? Hey, hey, Tommy. I'm good, man. How you doing, brother? Well, I just want to check check in with you. I, I, I know you... You end up you end up catching uh, COVID again, and we were worried about you. We want to check in and see how you are. Man, I tell you what, um, if I wasn't positive, I wouldn't know I had it. You know, because I feel pretty good. I got no fever. I got an appetite. I'm not tasting my food, but uh, and it's hard to smell. So those are the two little symptoms that I have. 
to let me know that I have COVID. But other than that, man, I'm eating good. I'm just resting, watching TV. I'm actually watching the Yankees in Pittsburgh right now. And I just needed this time off. You know, it's been a long year uh, doing a lot of television, doing a lot of real estate, doing a lot of stuff at church. And so, you know, you kind of get run down. And then we had the uh, big event with Dave Stewart. And, you know, I don't know where you catch this stuff from, but you know, after having all the celebrations, uh, I kind of started feeling a little ill and uh, took the test and came up positive. So, but other than that, man, I'm doing okay, bro. You know, when I, I think about that celebration, it meant so much, not only to Dave, but so many A's fans, so many people who grew up in Oakland. And I said this today, you know, honoring you, Dave, is just not honoring the great Dave Stewart. It's honoring Oakland, baseball in Oakland, and like honoring also the 1989 team. As a guy who grew up in Oakland, as a guy who idolized Dave Stewart, what did that day mean to you? Well, again, you know, Dave has always been like a big brother to me. Um, Dave, along with Ricky, Gary Pettis, Lloyd Mosby, Al Woods, uh, Veda Pinson, Joe Morgan, Kurt Flood, Frank Robinson, um, all of those guys paved the way for me. They gave me the idea that someday I could be a major leaguer because they were from my hometown and they were household names in my house. My uncle Roy Shivers, former NFL football player, my dad, uh, my uncles, my grandfather especially, they love baseball. And so um, their names was always ringing in the house. And when I started playing ball, they started saying, you could be just like you could be just like, and I was just like, wow, who are these guys? I got a chance to see them play. And it kind of gave me a vision of what I could be like. And I remember when uh, Dave Stewart was playing with the Dodgers and my dad came in and said, hey, that's Dave Stewart. He went to St. Liz High and he's from Oakland. And I just was like, what, really? Wow. You know, and it just really opened my eyes to, wow, here's another young man from Oakland uh, living a dream that I someday want to become a part of. And now he's become one of my favorites because he's an Oakland boy. He's, I've actually claimed him now. That's my big brother. And uh, I want to be just like him. So, yeah, it meant a lot to all of us. It meant a lot to me again because, you know, to, to watch him play, to see the honors that he's deserved of, to know him now personally as a big brother, um, it's just been a dream come true for me. Yeah, it was so fitting that we honored him because so much of Oakland and the talk about players from Oakland, A's from Oakland, so much has been made about Ricky Henderson. Rightfully so. He's one of the greatest players who have ever lived, and we've named the field after him. But it's now like we finally gave Stewart his due because of what Stu means, just not as an Oakland athletic, a retired number, great player, big game pitcher, four-time four seasons straight where he won at least 20 games, World Series champion, World Series MVP. That's all very, very special. Roberto Clemente Award winner. Uh, but it's also, it's off the field where Dave was just as as special or even more to the community of Oakland in the East Bay. Yeah, and, and I think that when you talk to him, he's always going to say that that Jackie Robinson or the uh, Roberto Clemente Award meant a lot to him, more so than some of the the field uh, awards, because 
it just was Dave being Dave in a community. Yeah, he put some money into the community, but he was always a pillar in the community. He was always seen in the community, always doing things not based on giving money, but giving his heart, his soul, and his spirit to his community. So um, he's always been that way. Um, you know, it's funny, when I was living in San Diego, I could see from where I lived a new house being built. And I thought it was an office. I was like, what is that? I got to need to go down and explore and see what that is. And I go down there and I get around and I drive down the street and coming out of the gate was Dave Stewart. I go, what the chances of you living here around the corner from me? And I, I think that that was the beginning of both of us kind of realizing that, you know, we're in the same place for, for the same reason. And, you know, we both really just got involved in our communities, whether it was San Diego power area or if it was up here in Oakland. And I think that that's when I really began to understand who Dave Stewart was and what he was about. And he's always been a giving person, um, very soft-spoken, although we know Stu had to stare, but away from all that, just a giving person. I mean, whatever he can do for you, if he could show up to any of your events, if he could just be there for you, I mean, if you just want to pick up the phone and talk to him, he's always there for you. So um, I just think that the Dave Stewart away from the field is a lot bigger than the Dave Stewart that was on the field. For you, Maury Wills, you think about your game stealing bases, playing as an infielder. Maury Wills, a three-time World Series champion, unfortunately passed away today at the age of 89. He had an incredible life. Uh, won the MVP in 1962, where he scored, where he had a hundred, I believe it was 104 stolen bases that season. Just electrifying on such great Dodger teams that back then they they were stars. You know, you had Sandy Koufax, you had Maury Wills. I mean, you had Don Drysdale. I mean, they were the, they were the toast of Los Angeles. You used to have Dodger Stadium. They said, I mean, obviously, Bip was before our time. But Dodger Stadium, people used to chant, go, 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 when he was on first base. That's how big of a base dealer he was. Uh, just, uh, I don't know if you ever got to meet him, but just your thoughts on, on Maury Wills passing away today. Well, when I heard it, I instantly thought of the conversations that he and I had, because um, he was a, a base running coach, and teams would hire Maury to come in and speak to the guys who were stolen base guys within that organization, and he would come in and and talk to us about professional base running, um, how to hit first base with your left foot, and why you hit first base with your left foot. Because there are many people out there who don't understand that. They just say hit first base with either foot. And now you see they got bigger bags now because guys don't hit the base with their left foot. Now, there's a lot of reasons behind that, and I won't go into it. But Maury always said that. And then Maury would take us, myself, Tom Goodwin, Dame, uh, Johnny Damon, Michael Tucker, and he would take us down into the cage and we would all work on our buddy. So Maury was always around. Maury was around in a lot of different organizations that he, he got a chance to, you know, um, talk to all of us who at that time could run, who could bunt and just explain to us the art of bunting and how you, you bunt before you run and how you can get us when you got this first base, how you could read the catcher more than you could read the pitcher. You could see how the catcher was setting up which indicated if it was going to be fastball or if it's going to be breaking ball. And now you get your jump off of that. So Maury was very intricate in a lot of things that he spoke to us about. Um, so, yeah, I got a chance to meet the man. I got a chance to honor the man. I got a chance to really just get his autograph and talk to him about baseball. So 
yeah, I think when I heard that today, I instantly, it instantly took me back to the time that we spent in the cage and the times we spent at first base and talking about base running and things like that. And it kind of hurt a little bit because I hadn't seen him or talked to him in years. And, you know, when, when things like this happen, you just realize how short of a time we all are here. And, you know, you just really kind of embrace the conversations you had. And you're just thankful that you were able to meet people like this. You know, he helped start this running game craze that really went through the 70s and just exploded in the 80s. I mean, it exploded. Everybody was running. I mean, we talk so much about Ricky Henderson. We talk about Vince Coleman. We talk about Tim Raines. I mean, you had, I mean, you had guys running that you could say, well, he wasn't a base dealer, but the guy still stole like 15 bases, only got caught once or twice. I mean, so many guys that we always think about numbers, like a guy like yourself who you would, you were looked at as a base dealer, but there was that era in baseball where just everybody, like the whole St. Louis Cardinal team on that turf at the old Bush stadium, everybody was running. The pirates were running. Everybody was stealing bases. And then all of a sudden, it just went away. But that time of baseball, it's like Maury Wills helped kickstart, which basically was a couple decades of great athleticism in our game. Absolutely. Maury was that guy who could read a pitcher as soon as he got the first. If he was a lefty. And I think the thing about it was he taught so many guys that it filtered down to us where when he taught Davey Lopes, and Davey became coaches at, with the Padres with us and taught us those, those things. And I just remember getting the first base and Davey said, um, when, when the lefty's going home, look for the sun up under his left arm. And I was like, okay. But he said, but you got to stay there and read it. And I remember standing there and seeing it and go, wow, Davey, how did you see? You know, and, and you just be amazed <laughs> at the mindset of some of these guys like you could see the sun up under his left arm, really. And uh, I'd see that, I'd read it, boom, and I'd take off and I'd be successful most of the time. The only time I would get thrown out is because I didn't read it and he would see that I broke a little early as a lefty had come to first and kind of picked me off. But these guys, and it came from Maury Wills and it worked its way down to all of us. Because again, like I said, Maury was able to touch a lot of us and work with a lot of us. So we all started to understand how to read these pictures along with reading that catcher and then becoming successful base dealers. What do you think it's going to do to our game? When I say to you, you're on first base and you know that the pitcher can only throw over twice. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You just want to, you want to give me second. That's what I would say. You just want to give me second. Because if he can only come over here twice, oh, I am has a, I have a one-way lead to second base. And I'm not even thinking about him coming to first base. So if, if that's how it's going to be, we're going to see this game trained drastically. And catchers are going to get blown up back there when it comes to trying to throw guys out. And pitchers are going to get run up, just, just run on as soon as they, after they make that second throw to first base, guys are going to take off right then. So I think it's going to add some excitement to the game. It's going to add offense to the game. It's going to add more time to the game. So get ready for it. It's going to be more athletic. It's going to take a little longer to get those nine outs. So let me ask you, in your prime, 
How many bases do you think you're stealing? I'm stealing. I mean, and I, when we had the balk moves and we had the, 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 what do you call that? The quick step to first base. Quick step, um, yeah. It, the, the, yeah. I mean, all that stopped us from stealing 50 to 60 bags a year. Now, if that's, come on, man, I'm, I'm thinking doubling. I would done. I probably would still 80 bags at, at this point in time now. 80 bags. See, I'm not shocked by anything because it's like I've seen these conversations where people say, if we had Michael Jordan play today with these rules compared to when he played the hand check, when he went to the hoop, they mobbed you in the 80s, right? Whether it was the bad boys or the Celtics. I mean, that, that there was some thuggery going on back in those days you went to the hole you paid for it back now you can't even breathe on a guy people like oh jordan today you kidding me with the three-point line where he had the three-point line but they really didn't shoot it that much now everybody's shooting he's like oh jordan could average 50 if not 45 i mean what's ricky henderson what would he average today if he was going to play in these rules yeah if ricky got on the way he did by walk or base hit he'd be on base probably 250 times a year plus. So he's probably might he might steal 170 to 200 bases easy. I mean, just he'd probably get tired of running. He'd probably just run out of his spikes and I don't have enough shoes to run and play today. Hey, hey, Bips, hey, hey Bips, think, think about this. Pitchers and middle infielders don't necessarily love throwing to second, right? It's usually right. a pickoff move, something that's been worked on for fans. So I'm on video right now, Bip. So, like, a shortstop will give the glove, and the pitcher will turn, will turn, see the glove, and then do the spin move. I'm talking about for a right-hander. So, usually that's a kind of a called play that's between the shortstop or the second baseman. And so, that's not something that's very comfortable and done a lot. You don't see a lot of pickoffs to second base, and they can go bad fast. I'm thinking not only is the stolen base from first to second going to go up, I think second to third, even though you're already in scoring position, I think that stolen base from second to third is going to skyrocket. What do you think? I think so, too, because now we were taught you could get 18 feet off, and there's no way they could pick you off at second. Now these guys might get 22, 23 feet which means now you really cut second uh, the, the distance between second base and third base literally in half. And if you couldn't throw a guy out or pick a guy off after he's 18 feet off, how are you going to pick a guy off when you can't go to second after two, two attempts to pick him off at second and get him at third? Yeah, that number is going to go up drastically. This is what they want. They want, they want more athleticism in the game. There will be no shifts. And so now you're going to have to have guys on your team who can run again. And that was the thing in our day. Everybody could run. So it didn't matter who it was. From one to nine in that lineup, the game was faster. Now you have guys who are not as fast. But, hey, you know, that's going to come back. And so when in, our, in our day, if you were playing shortstop, you can ask Tempe or Ozzy and anybody. They always had to charge and make a hard throw to first because guys like Willie McGee and Tim Raines and 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 Delano DeShields and Marquise Grissom and 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 Brett Butler and and the list goes on and on and on. Barry, the list goes on and on and on. And every lineup, guys could run from one to nine. It was a quicker game, and so that's what it's coming back to. 
So you're going to have to have guys not only able to steal bases, but guys who are going to be able to, they're going to have to be able to cover holes. You're going to be able to cover that five and a half hole. You're going to be able to cover that, that six and a half hole. You're going to be able to cover all of those holes, the hole up the middle, the hole between second and first. And so that's going to be based on speed because you need that guy who's fast to cover those holes because the guy who's not as fast, the ball's going to get through. Your team's going to get that L. So it's going to come back to athleticism. And, and I love it as a former player. Yeah, that's the thing. You mentioned Barry Bonds. You forget. I mean, he's the only guy that's the 500-500 club. 500 home runs, 500 stolen bases. You know, with the greatness of Bonds, you forget about all the stolen bases. No one's even a part of the 400-400. So he's only 400-400, 500-500. You forget about all the bags that he stole. You know, you mentioned the shift, Bip, and and obviously the A's got burnt in the last game by the shift. Drove me nuts. But even in a game, the Astros. This was something that when, when I saw the play, I went, this is so ugly and such a bad look that maybe I view the game differently than people. But it was a play where Hensley was playing shorts up for the Astros that day. And Altuve's mm-hmm. playing second. And the A's, can't remember who the hitter was, hit a routine chopper to where second baseman would normally play. But Altuve was playing more over in the hole by the first baseman. And Hensley, the shortstop, was playing just on the other side of second base. So you have three infielders that are on the right side. You have a routine chopper to second base, and there was a runner on first. Well, you had Hensley and Altuve both go for the ball. So since they both went for the ball, no one was standing on second base for what should have been a routine a routine 6-4-3 double play. But instead, you have the second baseman and the shortstop almost colliding on a routine ground ball to second base, and they could only get the put out to first. And I went, I'm so tired of watching this. Even after all these years now of shifting, these guys get put in such awkward situations, they still don't play it well. Yeah, because you can't dictate where the ball is going to be hit. I mean, they have all the data for the shift, yeah, but you still have no idea where the ball is going to be hit. And so I, that's why I like it. When, when it comes to having athleticism in the infield where you can have a second baseman take one step or two steps to his left or right and be able to cover the area where the pitcher is going to throw the baseball. Now, hitters, sometimes they, you get lucky and, and you can hit against the shift or when a guy is playing you two steps to the right, you can catch a breaking ball and go two steps to his left and beat it out. But that's the art of hitting. That's the cat and mouse of infield and hitter. You have to be able to have control of your backhead so that you can do things with the bat. And so when you have these guys three on one side infield and now you still can't hit the ball the other way, and I think that's a knock on the hitters um, because infielders are just told where to play. Now, and, and as you just said, I've seen so many plays where there are two guys right next to each other and the ball's hit between them and neither guy knows if they should go for it and then now it's the base hit. That, that all that stuff is going to be wiped out. They tried it. It just was a bad look for the game. It was a bad look for the offenses. It retired a lot of hitters who couldn't make the adjustment. And I, I just think that it was just it, it just totally changed the game where the third baseman goes in between the first man and the first baseman and the second baseman, and he's out in short right field. And then you got four outfielders out there. 
And it just became like a softball game to me. Now it's back to the basics of, hey, you're second baseman, you play second. You're shortstop, you play sixth. And if you're a third baseman, you play third base. You're not going to be a third baseman going out there to short right field anymore. The game is back to how Abner Doubleday actually originated this game with the numbers being in the position that they should play. Great stuff, Bip. I'm glad you're doing better, my friend. You be well, and we'll talk soon. Obviously, we're going to want to have you be a part of A's Cast Live and A's Cast through the playoffs and all the way through the World Series. Uh, anything you want to promote on the way out? Uh, no, I just want to promote healthy living, man, and just, just wish everybody a, a blessed day, man. Just stay healthy yourself, man. You're doing a great job. Take care, buddy. All right. You take care. The great Bip Roberts, hell of a career, does a great job. NBC Sports, Bay Area A's pre- and post-game live. Yeah, it's something you don't think about it, and I just wanted to look it up. And it's, you know, everything about Bonds is obviously about the home runs and everything, about the record and about PEDs. You forget Barry Bonds stole 514 bases. Because everybody kind of just remembers Superberry. I mean, you you just start looking at these years coming out with the Pirates. 36, 32, 17, 32, 52, 43, 39, 29. These aren't home runs. These are stolen bases. Bonds with the Giants in 96. Now, if my memory serves correctly, they were in last place. That was his 40-40 year. They were terrible. It's also what makes Canseco's 40-40 so special, is that Canseco, Canseco did it when it mattered. The other guys who've done like A-Rod, Bonds, they did it in losing seasons. No one cared. It was a stat-stuffing stat deal, right? It's amazing how we look at the MVP race right now with Otani and Judge and, oh, Otani, the unicorn, what he's doing. But, like, even back then when Bonds went 40-40, people went, "As ah, on a losing season. He's a stat stuffer. But he did steal 40. 514 stolen bases to go along with all the home runs. I mean, you got 514 stolen bases and 762 home runs. That is just incredible. But, yeah, I mean, on a day where Maury Wills passes away, I thought it would be a good idea to bring on Bip Roberts to talk about what are we going to see? How is this going to play out? And at first, you know, it takes time because you have a lot of guys that just don't they, – they don't run. It's not their game. They didn't get to the big leagues by running. Teams don't want them to run. Famous line from Moneyball the movie, Terrence Long. I pay you to get on first base. I don't pay you to get thrown out at second base. When T. Long goes, don't you pay me to steal bases? And they discourage running. They discourage the athleticism in our game. It's been happening for years. Why take the chance? They will end up changing. Mark my words. They This will not be the rule forever. This is just, they're going to change something to get it going. To get the game back to being more athletic. Less station to station. Less beer softball league. 
Let's get the athletes back in the game. Let's get guys moving. Let's get stuff going on. Let's let's hear when Maury Wills was at Dodger Stadium when it first opened up and everybody was yelling, go, go. They'd chant, go. How about that? That's how big the running game was. It was such a factor. You just got to get Koufax one run, one run. Well, they got Marichal on the other side, and he's dealing. How do you get Koufax that one run? I know how. Got to get a guy on second. Then maybe get him to third. Sack fly, get him home. Played small ball. Guys choked up back then. Not everybody was juiced and hit jacks. And if we could get that again, I mean, Ray is someone who's probably never really lived in a time when stolen bases were big. How do you feel about that? I mean, what's it going to be like for you as a baseball fan when all of a sudden what we think is going to happen is all kinds of guys are stealing bases? Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, as a Mets fan, I'm only used to stolen bases when Noah Syndergaard was on the mound because he was notoriously terrible at holding runners. But it'll be an exciting game to see. I think it'll increase the speed. We already talked about how the pitch clock will increase the pace. And I think stolen bases, the emphasis on increasing those numbers will help too. When do you think we will have Dave Sims? Uh, I will check with him momentarily. He'll be in it. Should be on the next five minutes or so, he said. Okay. Coming up next, the voice of the Mariners, longtime great broadcaster. What is it going to mean for them to be back in postseason baseball? And what it would mean for them to go on a run? You're going to find out next. Dave Sims will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. We got A's baseball coming your way up here at 640. The Athletics up against the Seattle Mariners. As we're going to be looking at young players, talking a lot about young players, even including the four that are going up to AAA. Dave Sims a longtime broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. Unbelievable career. Do we have him yet? We do. 
when you think about his career from the NFL, you think about his career, whether he's doing the show with Coach K, even back to when he was a sports writer, the great Dave Sims is with us. Dave, it's always an honor to have you on a program. Truly one of the best in the business. Appreciate that. Thank you. How you doing today? We're doing great. And, and, you know, I was talking about it earlier today that when the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs, it is going to be very special for this franchise. Because I was telling everybody, where were you in 2001? I got married in 2001. <laughs> I mean, it was a long You weren't even with the Mariners yet. I mean, it's been a long time. And this is such a great franchise with so many great players. Just what do you think it's going to be like for this city when, when the Mariners are back in the postseason? Uh, well, it's going to be sheer unmitigated joy is what it's going to be. And, you know, 2001, heck, what was I doing? I Let's see, I just finished at, uh, CBS New York. And I think it was, yeah, I was doing Big East football and basketball and NFL football. Uh, it's my 16th year with the Mariners. And, you know, I – I haven't been long suffering like a lot of the fans, but long enough. And, you know, let's go yeah. already. And I think, uh, you know, this team has a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. You know, you think about last year, this was building and you just never know, right? You're like, well, they, they talked about the fun differential and all that kind of stuff. Cause the run differential wasn't where he liked it, but Jerry DePoto keeps tweaking. And next thing you know, Scott service, just what has this season been like watching this develop and, and carrying it on from last year? Well, oh, there's, there's certainly had a schedule. That's a darn sure. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it was, they were 29 and 39 looked like every, you know, thing was lost. And then, you know, things have turned around since then in a dramatic way starting pitching, the young pitching, the, the guys came through. They, you know, they, they came up with big billing, talking about George Kirby, talking about Logan uh, Gilbert. They have been outstanding. The bullpen has been off the chart. And, you know, the hitting, while I'm certainly not going to remind you of the, the Griffey Buhner, the days when those guys were hitting the ball out of the yard with regularity, this team holds its own right now in terms of home runs, fourth in the American League, been on the chair since August 1, with 69 home runs. So, it's been a blast to watch, and and it's and Jerry uh, Jerry deserves all the kudos. He and his staff well, they've done a great job putting this thing together. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the trade for the guy going tonight, Castillo, is like funny. Uh, it's like he faced the Yankees like four times in a row. It was he was always up against the Yankees. Whether it was you, I got a lot Red. of friends with the Yankees and the and Yankee fans who were. They just assumed that they were going to get him, and they were really, they're still hacked off that we got uh, Castillo because he would have solved their problems as well. So I look for him to have a big night tonight because he got his butt kicked last time he was here. Yeah, 2.37 ERA in his eight starts for the Mariners. You already got a bunch of talent there with young arms, but what does he exactly do as that veteran hired gun guy coming in for you? Flat out stud. I mean, he's the number one. He's the lead dog. You know, it's uh, – you got a guy, I mean, the guy just has tremendous charisma on the mound. Uh, you know, the guys have, you look at him and his whole body language says, I got this. We're good. You're good. We're going to do this. And you know, I've not had extensive conversations with him, but I think, I mean, his actions and his talent speaks for, speaks for itself. 
when you think about Julio Rodriguez's contract, you know, you know, the Pacific Northwest has had great stars. I mean, you've had, you've had Griffey and Alex Rodriguez and, and, and the big unit and, and Ichiro, Edgar. but you got, the, yeah. you got, the, you got this kid wrapped up. I think the contract really is a contract that Jerry DePoto, I heard Jerry DePoto talk about. It's got some Mike Trout of Mike Trout's contract when he was with, with Anaheim. It really seems to me, like it's a contract for the future and how a lot of contracts will be done. But what does it mean to Mariner fans that you got this great young talent and he's not going to be leaving? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, the guy's a fabulous talent. He's got another guy with great charisma, five tools, wants to be in the Pacific Northwest. They've locked him up and he's a foundational player. And he, and he probably – I'm sure this was in mind too that you know, he's going to be a magnet. Guys are going to want to come play here. You know when they're certain, you know free agents. That uh, hey, I can go play with Julio. They're going to have fun. The kid's talented. He plays hard. He busts his butt all the time. No, it, it's everything's good. It, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's not a deep dive on this. The kid's a great player. Twenty nine other teams would kill to have him, and the Mariners have him locked up essentially till uh, 2037. And it's just not numbers. I mean, he's got that smile. He's good looking. You said the charisma. Just talk about he's got the numbers of the star, but he just looks like the star and looks like he can play the leading role. Remember what was it? The old Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, who can put a something, who can put a smile on your face, yada, yada. You want them kind of thing. You just feel it when you're around the kid. I mean, he's, uh, he's exceptional. He's just exceptional. It's the kind of thing. It's almost like a Tom Swift. You know, the, the little the novels for preteen uh, boys. It's like one of those superstar dudes who's, you know, he exists. It's for real. And he and he's the guy. He can do everything. Now, I mean, he's, you know, if he were in college, he, you know, he'd have, uh, you know, talk about being a BMOC. My God, it would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd be the Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> every year. Yeah, every year. You, you know, we're talking. You know, we, we, I'm going to be doing TV today and radio, and I'm here in San Francisco in the studio. And and before this show, we were talking about what we we're doing on TV tonight. And they're like, "Oh, the A's can play spoiler." I'm like, "Spoiler for what?" And well, it's the seeding for the wild card. And I, you know, home field advantage means something. I don't think it means as much as people try to build up. But when you start talking about what the Mariners are playing for, that's basically what they're playing for right now, right? Is seeding in the wild card? Well, let, let's get in. Uh, my the, my focus is let's get in the damn thing, all right? Now, that's, that's A. B, yeah, would, you'd love to have home field because if we had home field for the first round, having spoken to a lot of guys uh, recently in the last since we you know really solidified our position, talking to other broadcasters and players and whatnot, everybody's blown away by – just the fanatic, you know, the fandom in Seattle and Pacific Northwest that we've had in, on the last few homesteads. Uh, who was it? That each row weekend when Atlanta was in, we had big crowds. They were enthusiastic into the game from day one. Big advantage for sure. It would be great to have, you know, to get that number one wild card. That'd be what the four seed and uh, be able to be at home. That would be incredible, especially given, you know, 21 years, you know, the longest drought in North American pro sports. Uh, so that's what we're looking at. First got to get in, and, and the gravy would be having home field. 
Let's end on this, and we always appreciate the time. We know you got a game to call. I mean, all your years in college basketball, all your years in the NFL, you've been around the tournament. You've been around tournaments when it comes to playoffs. How excited are you for the way the baseball playoffs will be now? A tournament style. Oh, this is going to be this is going to be big. Uh, this, this, you've got you know three fan bases. Well, first of all, you get Houston, which is you know ran down the Yankees. They've been, they're going to be the number one seed unless the Yankees absolutely go nuts and Houston collapses in the last fifteen, sixteen days. I don't see that happening. But those are some unbelievable matchups. You know, if, if those two teams get that far to the championship but you gotta you know you get the Mariner team with really good pitching pitching and defense is all about the playoffs and you know we checked the box on those two things that could be very interesting I've had so many guys say hey man I wouldn't want to have to play you guys in the playoffs especially have to play at your ballpark so you know keep that in mind the Dodgers are a powerhouse over in the other league I'm originally I was born and raised in Philly I'm rooting for those guys for Philly to get in they haven't been in a long time so I think the interest is going to be high and I think uh you know, I'm glad it, you know baseball went to the extra wild card teams and keeps more teams and more fan bases active and interested. So uh, it's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I cannot wait. It's going to be fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. It's always an honor to have you on a program. Have a good call tonight and good luck to you guys in the postseason. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. You be well. Take care. The great Dave Sims, longtime broadcaster for the Mariners, but like you heard there, I mean, you know, his career is second to none. Did the Coach K show. Do you know that, Karate Kid? He and Coach not. K did a show for like 16, 17 years. He was the guy that did the Coach K show. I mean, that's or, not an easy gig. Is Coach K, depending on what mood he's in, could not be pleasant with media, but that's a, a big-time get for Dave. Yeah, and all the NFL and all the work that he has done. And, yeah, I mean – this is a guy that's worked for the Mariners. What did he say, 2007? Mm -hmm. Never called a Mariner playoff game. Like, literally, I got married the same year that they went to the postseason. That's how long ago. I got 16-year-old twins, for God's sakes. I mean, it's been a long, long that, – that's why I, I laugh, and I know I, I get it. We haven't won the World Series since 89, and people are – but I laugh when A's fans go, oh, my God, we were, oh, my God. We were just in the playoffs three straight years. We are in the hunt last year. These guys haven't been in the postseason since 2001. A's fans, you've had a book. You've had a Oscar-nominated movie made about you since they were last in the postseason. I mean, you want to talk about all the things that have happened to the A's since the last time? Last time they were in the postseason? I mean, crazy. That's why I always like to think, where were you in 2000? He's like thinking, where was I? CBS, New York, I was NFL. I was, that's how long ago it was. These guys were in. It's crazy. But I'm happy for their fans. They got great fans. Nice, I mean, super nice people. You know, because I did games NFL up there. And the Seahawks fans are loud. They're loud, but they're not like, they're not vicious. There's, that's just not the way of the people in the Pacific Northwest. That's just not, they're just nice people. They live in, they, they, it rains every day, and they're nice, and they drink a lot of coffee. I mean, it's a Pacific Northwest. So I, I, I'm going to be happy for them when they get in.
And I know Scott Service, very good friends with our own Vince Catronio. He's going to be super thrill, thrilled for his best friend. And uh, and let's just wait and see, right? I mean, I had I was going to talk about this today, and I kind of was thinking about whether I really wanted to get into this. I don't know if you saw this article that came out last night. I'm always prepping for the show. New York Mets have the top payroll. Record-tying six teams set a payroll luxury tax. Yes, the Mets. Do you know why? And I bet and I'll talk to a Met fan. Karate Kid, do you even know why the Mets are now the top salary in baseball? Because our owner has more money than I think the entire state. Eh. Trevor Bauer. Everybody forget. I forgot. Trevor Bauer. Because Trevor Bauer's suspension, it took his money off of the payroll of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Totally forgot about that. New York entered the last full month of the season with a $273.9 million payroll. The Dodgers are second at 267.2. Now, remember, Bauer was making 30, what, 32 mil? So if you threw his 32 mil onto that 267, they're way past the Mets. But take that off. How much are they? I mean, can you imagine if they had Trevor Bauer? This is a team, I believe if they win 14 of their next 16, and they got a double dip going today against the – they have owned the Diamondbacks, by the way. Yes, let me make sure I get this correct. Yes, if the Dodgers win 14 of their final 16, which is crazy to think, but you go, well, I mean, they kind of just beat everybody. They kind of whoop everybody every night. Their run differential is one of the best. The only teams that compare with their run differential all time, you're like, oh, it's the 1920 Yankee. You know, it's like, it's like, actually, I can give it to you. I hate that I have this kind of information, but I do. The teams that you can look at all-time run differential with the with okay, you ready? You think I don't have this knowledge in front of me? I have this knowledge in front of me. Never doubted, never doubted. The nineteen thirty-nine Yankees, where you where were you in nineteen thirty-nine? The Yankees run differential was plus four eleven. The nineteen twenty-seven Yankees, murderers row, they were plus three seventy-six. You remember that great 1902 Pittsburgh Pirate team. They were plus 335. And, of course, you're going to remember the 36 Yankees at plus 334. And then you have the Dodgers at plus 332. So I'm figuring the Dodgers here in the next 16 games, they will pass the Yankees of 36. They will pass the 02 Pirates. I mean, depending on how bad they beat these teams, I mean, let's face it. Diamondbacks are not that bad, but they just they just roll over like dogs. Let me see if I can see what the score is right now. The Diamondbacks have had a good year other than playing. Diamondback, what I, I had in the hit the other day, they were a 500 team if you took out their record against the Dodgers. They are. Oh, we have a bunch of games going on. God, I didn't even realize that. Where is this Dodger-D-backs game? Uh, it is a final. The Dodgers beat Arizona already today, 6-5. to five. Game two coming up. 
So that run different so the run differential has increased by one run. It's now at three thirty three. I believe what if, if you want to talk about ownage of a team. So LA has beaten the Diamondbacks now twelve out of thirteen times. They beat them twelve out of thirteen. They beat them today thirteen out of fourteen. If they beat win the second game of the doubleheader. They've been kicking their ass all year long. It's unbelievable. And I thought I mean, what I had in the playbook was bad because the A's lost the 20 of their last 26 to the Mariners, but ooh. Oh, this is nothing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like if you take if you take that record against the Dodgers out, the Diamondbacks are 500, and you're like, well, it's not a bad season, right? They're improving. They're getting better. They got their young guys. They're getting better. Then you throw the Dodger record in there, and now they're way under 500. So you go into today going, well, you know, they're 68 and 79. Well, all those losses, that that's all Dodgers. So the Dodgers now just need to win 13 out of 15 to get to 116. I mean, it's doable. They kick everybody. And, and think if they had Trevor Bauer. How much would that Walker Bueller being gone would be like, eh? Because I do think that could back, come back to honor. But, okay, so the so the Mets, 273.9. How much time do I got left? About five minutes? Uh, you got 10. Actually, I need to get out a little early. All right. Uh, and then you got the Dodgers, 267.2. Yankees at 254.4. Remember when every year it was the Yankees? Before this Dodger machine started? Gutenheim and whatever their ownership group. I mean, it was always the Yankees. Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox. Now it's Mets, Dodgers. But man, big money. Now I could go through all the other teams. Then I can take you to the Oakland Athletics. The last line of this article that you could find in the Associated Press. I found it on ESPN on their baseball page. Oakland has the lowest regular payroll of $49 million, and we are the lowest tax payroll at $65 million in baseball. But hopefully that will change with really what we'll find out in the next couple months. That is uh, Howard Terminal is a go. Oh, and the follow-up on the Aviators thing, since we didn't have a chance to. Their season ends September 28th. September 28th. All right. So, I think, just like I've talked about bringing Jordan Diaz up, I mean, it's big to bring up Soderstrom, Geloff, McCann, Chris Well. It's big to get – and. I want to say, did Geloff go up a little bit last year? I don't remember. But it's to get these guys the experience, because they say once you hit double A, you can go. Now, we don't do that. The A's far are conservative when it comes to that. But, yeah. Double A, I mean, now they hit triple A. They play some games in triple A. These guys are coming. That that gives us something to sell this winter. Jordan Diaz is something to sell. Dermis Garcia is something to sell. Tyler Soderstrom, you know what he hits? Bring him up. 
Because you can't tell me no. Uh, Townsend, they're young. Really? So were the Atlanta Braves. Are they? By the way, you're a Mets fan, Ray. Um, uh, the Atlanta Braves, are they okay? I think they're doing just fine. They okay bringing up 21, 22-year-olds? Are, are they doing okay? Yeah, they already – I think they have two National League Rookie of the Year candidates on the same squad in Harris and Strider, so I think they're doing okay. Strider barely pitched in the minor leagues, for God's sakes. So let Geloff hit. Let's see him. Let's see these guys go up, AAA, let them hit, go to spring training, and whoever earns the right to wear the uniform of the Oakland Athletics, I don't care what your age is. I don't care how many at-bats you've had. I don't care how many innings pitch you've had. Don't care. Do not care. Do not tell me that a guy needs 1,500 at-bats. Do not tell me that a guy needs 500 uh, innings pitch. I don't care. These guys have now seen AAA. AAA, by the way, is such a horrible barometer anyway because you're playing in elevation. You're playing in the desert. You're playing. I mean, it's it's all offensive. Hitters aren't going to be as good. Pitchers aren't going to be that bad. But obviously the players are good. And I see that as let's allow these guys to earn a spot, come play, this is your future. Because until until we have an answer on a ballpark, what what there's no reason to keep guys down when you start working out free agency and when I mean, could these guys could these guys be the answer for the new ballpark? Maybe, but if an answer is not done by the end of this year, who knows? We really do not know. So Let's see it. I'm glad these guys are. I'm glad Jordan. Jordan Diaz, I'm excited the next, the next, uh, what do we got, 16 games? Is that what it's left? 15 games, I think. I'm excited. Let's see Jordan Diaz. This guy's done nothing but hit. Well, I don't know where he's going to play. Neither do I. Don't care. I want to see him hit. I don't care where you put it. You want to put him in first? You want to put him in third? You want to put him in left? You want to DH him? I don't care. I mean, crazy thing is, you've got to start. This whole, we have so many catchers, it's not a problem. It's a good problem to have, which I don't, you've heard me say here, I don't buy. Soderstrom, old Sody, this kid is a prodigy. Dad was a first-round pick. His dad made it to the big leagues. He's been playing. His dad's got that baseball, his baseball business down there. In the Valley, he's been playing with great college players, minor league players his entire life. He's far more experienced than his age. He is going to be ready fast. So you better find him a position because it's not going to be catcher. Susak, this kid you drafted out of Arizona. All he's done is swing it. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do? I mean, you got all these catchers. such a great problem to have. Well, what are you going to do? You need their bat. You want to compete? This this year is not competing. You want to compete, you're going to need their bats in the lineup. you got to score runs. The A's, unfortunately, I didn't want to end the show like this, but the A's are, the A's are last. And batting average? Batting average doesn't matter. Okay. They're last in OPS. They need offense. You've got to find a way to score runs. 
We can talk pitching all you want. They got to find a way to score runs. How are you going to score runs? These young kids come up and hit. That's how you're going to score runs. That's how you get out of this hole. The young kids got to play. The young kids got to grow. Let's see it. That's what this, the rest of the year for me, I mean, I look at, okay, let's, I can look at the lineup and I'm going to be like, okay. First four guys, Kemp, Machine, Murphy, Brown. Not young. That's not young. All right? I want to see young. To me, I mean Murph, to be fair. But, I mean, time for the young guys. And there's a lot of the young guys in the lineup tonight. And I'm excited about that. Let's see the young guys. They are the future. No question about it. Fun show today. By the way, tomorrow... I got a thing on free agency and the tiers of free agency to way to look at guys. Interesting. There's, I mean, coming down the stretch here, it is. These games, you don't want to play. I mean, you can be in the wild card. You want to be on the road. Yeah, you don't want to be on the road. You want to be at home. They're still playing for stuff. Aaron Judge, the Roger Maris family, is now going to be there for when he is going to break Roger Maris's, if he does, I think he will, break Roger Maris's record, the American League record, the Yankee record. There's a lot of fun stuff coming down the stretch. Who holds? Will he get 700? We got a lot going on, and we'll have it all covered right here. We want to thank the great Dave Sims, great broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners coming on, and one of my all-time favorites, Bip Roberts. All right, coming up next, A's Total Access by Chevron. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Thank you for watching and listening to A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 